Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. Just as the Philistines threw rubble into the wells that Abraham had dug in Genesis 26, so the devil is filling up the wells of life that God would have us drink from today. One of the major pieces of rubble that he throws in is a doubt in the clarity of God's Word, and a doubt in the ability of the common follower of Jesus Christ to get at God's truth with our own minds and through our own study of that Word. The new thought is that experts are required to give us their scholarship and their analysis of the text before we can understand it. The fact sometimes is that the scholarship is good, and sometimes it's just plain false. It's just one putting on the shadow of this age over the Scriptures. But regardless, the Word strikes at the heart of each individual, not resting on human scholarship, but on the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit given to us. Let's consider today this doctrine of illumination. The Holy Spirit comes and brings to us the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what the Holy Spirit does, living and abiding within us, is that He becomes an instructor of His Word. He illumines His Word to us. We don't have to mediate the teaching of God's Word through our subjectivism. What does it mean to me? Does it make me feel good? Does it solve my problems? We don't have to mediate through my intellectual, well, how do I parse this verb? And my confidence is not in my ability to somehow understand all the theological tenets. The Spirit of God can mediate it directly to my heart because He lives in me. That's the doctrine of illumination. Let me explain to you how illumination works. We understand that the method God uses in communicating this word to us is that first he takes a person, an individual, and he grants them new life. They're born again. They put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, and as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, they become new creatures where old things have passed away and everything becomes new. And as he comes to speak to the individual, first what he does is he speaks to our minds. He reasons with us. Remember the prophet said that, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. He reasons with us. He speaks to our minds. But he doesn't stop at the mind. Beyond the mind, his words penetrate in the regenerate heart to our spirits. And the Spirit communes and speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks to our renewed, life-given Spirit of God within us. He illumines us by the Spirit, His truth within our hearts. Ephesians chapter 2, 2 describes individuals who have not come to Christ and not believed in Him and not put their saving faith in Jesus Christ. And regardless of how their life looks and how they appear, Ephesians chapter 2, 2 says that they are dead in their trespasses and sins. Now, we spoke about this a few weeks ago and we compared it to uh, one of those old television sets that's unplugged or that has a tube that's broken in it and the signals are out there and the wavelengths are out there for that TV to work, but the TV is dead and it can't receive those signals. And in the same way that we live in an environment with different wavelengths and different sound waves around us, we live in the environment of the Spirit of God. The Bible says that of God, that in Him we live and move and have our being. God is all around us. His Spirit is all around us. But if you're dead, it's as if you're like that old TV set that's unplugged or it's got a tube broken. It can't receive the signal that's there. 
And people are spiritually dead. They can't receive the signal of the Spirit of God that is all around them. And so what God does is he, he grants them new life. He raises them from the dead. It's like Lazarus who was buried in the tomb. The Lord Jesus comes and performs a miracle. Remember he said, Lazarus, come forth. And there the dead ears of that man heard the living words of Christ. And he obeyed and he stumbled forth from his tomb and he was made alive from the dead. And that's what happens to the person who gives their life to Christ. At conversion, God speaks his spiritual word of truth into the tomb of the spiritually dead in a miracle of communication. And they hear the truth. They're born again and a wave of spiritual illumination begins to flood their lives. And they become aware and opened up to a, a new voice that's speaking and communicating in the world around them, and primarily and wonderfully in this word, that's God's word. This revealed word becomes an illumined word to them. Now, the Christian is no longer spiritually dead. The ears are open to the voice of the Spirit speaking His word in their lives. They... Now, don't simply live by bread and water, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And yet, sadly, they turn away oftentimes from the voice of God speaking in their lives. They turn away from this heavenly diet. And as a result, uh, the diet becomes restricted. Their access to the refreshing water of God's truth becomes restricted and stopped up. And really, what's happening is they're not receiving this illumination from God's word and the question is, how does this happen? So let's next talk about what interferes with this work of illumination. What interferes with this work of God illuminating the born-again child of God? What can happen is that we let our sentiment become sovereign over God's Word. But there's something else that can happen. And this is what we want to talk about this morning. It is that we can let our confidence in our own independent and intellectual abilities to know God's Word actually drive us from hearing God's voice. We can become so proficient in our intellectual powers to somehow transact with this word and understand it that we actually drive ourselves away from a true grasp of this word. Listen to me. Any grasp of the word of God that stops at the region of the intellect is incomplete. It's powerless to transform our lives. All true knowing of God's word must penetrate the outer shell, you might say, of intellectual truth and probe into the spiritual depths of this truth. I'm not promoting some kind of mysticism here. I'm saying that there is a line beyond the outer shell of the intellectual knowledge of things to the deep knowing of things. We're speaking about the difference between knowing about something and you can know about something rather thoroughly but not know it. There's a difference between knowing about and knowing. Intellectually, you may be able to parse all the verbs of the, Old Testament, of the New Testament in its Greek language. You might be able to understand what the tenses are and whether it's in the first person or the second person or the third person. And you can look at all the various words and you could understand, get your lexicography out and understand the lexiconography of the word. Or you might be able to study the etymology of the word to see what the historical roots of the word were in the past. Then you could actually study it and you could pull together the historical background in which this word was originally spoken so that you frame a proper meaning of the word in their context. And you may be able after this to cross-reference that passage of Scripture with other Scriptures so that you properly let Scripture interpret Scripture 
to such an extent that having read the passage, you could come away with a very accurate understanding of the meaning of the words and the meaning of that phrase or that statement or that paragraph or that chapter or that book. And as a result, you could have a very proper and orthodox and true theological grasp of Scripture. And from it, you could frame and encapsulate it into very accurate doctrinal statements of what your theology is. And yet all of this could take place, and still you may leave this text only knowing about the truth, and never really knowing the truth that sets you free. Sets your heart aglow with a deep knowing and a deep hearing of the voice of God to your soul. That voice that, when it speaks, speaks into tombs and brings the living to life. Jesus said, My sheep know my voice. See, there's a difference between knowing about the truth and knowing the truth that sets you free. There's a difference between knowing something of God's Word and hearing the voice of God speaking to your soul. Knowing something about God's voice and knowing His voice. Now, here's my point. In the evangelical church today, there is another danger that's coming upon us. It's not simply this subjectivism where we say, what does it mean to me? Another danger that's coming upon the church is approaching this Word of God with a kind of self-confident textualism, a self-confident rationalism, a, a cocky trust in the science of biblical interpretation that is born in our evangelical seminaries and Bible colleges where you've got all the right materials and you know all the grammatical moods and you can study your Greek and your Hebrew and you've got your theological dictionaries and your Greek concordances and your creeds and your catechisms and your commentaries and your position papers and you got it all down right and you smugly rest confidently in what you know about the content of the text but in doing so you miss the heart of the matter. And God is not speaking to you. Just because you can accurately probe the outer shell of truth found in the words and in a proper definition and a proper theological determination of Scripture does not mean in any way that you've begun to know the truth. It may be that you only know something about it. Make sense? Let's look at some passages that speak about this matter of illumination. I'm just going to read a number of them to you. John chapter 3, verse 27. John the Baptist is speaking, and here it's clear that John is talking about spiritual understanding and spiritual authority. John says, John 3.27, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Luke chapter 10, verse 21, the Lord Jesus here is praying over his disciples who are rejoicing that they're coming back from a period in time in which God has granted them great success in ministry. The Lord Jesus prays over them, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, the wise and prudent being the biblical scholars and scribes of his day and age, and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 1 Corinthians 
But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Actually, read verses 9 through 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received, speaking to the born-again men and women, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Understanding this great work and provision that God gives us of illumination, guards us against intellectual pride. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. <laughs> when you know God is the one who's making this known to you, you don't boast about it. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, he says this, for who makes you differ one from another? And what do you have that you have not received? Now, if you indeed you received it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Well, they were bragging that they had certain ideas and certain positions in their theological standing that differed maybe from another individual. And they were right and they were wrong. And so they were developing a pecking order over one another. Paul says, listen, illumination should humble you. What you understand, what you see is what God has made known to you. You have been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may God bless you.